Praise God. Let's actually pray because I'm just going to jump into my message here. Heavenly Father, we thank you now. We thank you now, my God. We thank you for the faithfulness of your presence, my God. My God, we sense you are doing something. My God, our, our, our spirit is tingling, my God, with a sensing, my God, that you are somehow moving, Father. I pray this morning, Father God, help us to define and articulate it a little bit more clearly so we can follow you and keep in step with what your spirit is doing. We commit the rest of the service to you, my God. My God, as I open my mouth, I pray that you fill it with your word. Though I open my mouth, may it be your voice that is heard. My God, we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The birth of Christ is a celebration, really, of new beginnings. It is a celebration of new beginnings, the New Testament. That's what it's all about, new beginnings. And even for people who are not of faith, strictly from a historical perspective, even if you're not of faith, the birth of Christ is acknowledged as it would completely alter and change and shape the world that we live in. So powerful was the impact of the birth of Christ that 2,000 years later, it is still shaping our world today. But for us who are believers, what the rest of the world are spectators to, we are recipients of. For the world, it was a child being born, but for unto us, it was a son given. Because not only did he change the world, he changed me. He changed you. It is, it is a personal encounter. He, it is a personal encounter that we have had. The rest of the world celebrates the child born in the major, but we as believers, we celebrate, the real celebration for us is the miracle of the son being born in our hearts. It, it, the son being birthed in our hearts for us, new beginnings is not an abstract concept, but it is a reality we have encountered and embraced. So for, for the Bible says, for anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Not some things, not half of you, all things have become new. See, without Christ, you can have a new year but an old life. It is not the new year that gives you a new life, it is, but it is Christ who breathes new life into your new year. For that matter, you don't even need a change in the calendar date to have a new beginning, to experience new life. All you have to do is experience Christ. And if the calendar date never changed, but you experience Christ, you can experience new life in Christ. For in Christ, old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made new. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, when you go to the book of Genesis, every new day did not be, the new day did not begin when the sun started to shine. The new day began when God started to speak. Every new day began with, and God said... And that's how the day began, and God spoke, and a new day emerged, which means every time that God speaks into your life is a closure of the old, and God is opening a door into a new thing in your life. So which means every time God speaks to you, you have permission to close the door on one thing and open the door on the new thing, because in Christ, all things that passed away, and behold, all things are new.
Hallelujah. Just touch your neighbor and tell him, I got new life. Yeah, I got new life. No matter what the calendar says, whether it's January 1st or December 1st, I have new life because I am in Christ. But we do thank God for the opportunity of new beginnings. That even in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that he established the stars and the sun to mark the signs in our seasons, which means that, he, that, that, that God established within our time, he established within our calendars an opportunity to start afresh again. But you can really only take advantage of that fresh newness when you are in Christ. The world makes New Year's resolutions, and we all know what becomes of those. They try on their own to have a new beginning, but it never quite happens. By, by January 3rd, their new, their new thing has gone back to the old thing, because without Christ, you can't have the new thing. Mm-hmm. I got new life. Not just life, but abundant life. This life that God has given us is not just life, it's abundant life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. So, so abundant is this life that, that, it, it, that you cannot capture it in one moment. It is a life that is continuously unfolding itself, unveiling itself even unto eternity. That's why Ecclesiastes says he has placed eternity within the hearts of men. He's put more life in you that you even have years to express. Hallelujah. That you need an eternity to really capture. In this world, you can only scratch to bear the surface of the life that God has for you. So immeasurable and so abundant is this life that he has given to you. That, you, that, 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 that if you really start tapping into the life that God has for you, it is impossible for you to be bored and be in Christ. I don't understand when believers say, I'm bored. How can you be bored with all this life that God has put into you? Sometimes I believe it's the problem is we're focused on the wrong thing. We're so caught up in what we can't do, we forget the life that God has given us to live. He didn't come to say, he didn't come and said, I come to give you rules of things you cannot do. He said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. That if you ever come into the life, the real life that God has for you, you're to be, you're to be busy living the life that God has for you than, than trying to run away and to avoid the other stuff. In fact, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says, I don't know, I just feel this. It's not in my notes, but I just feel it in my spirit. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that there was only one tree God said don't touch the Bible says the rest of the garden was full of every type of fruit bearing plant the problem is you get too preoccupied with the one tree you can't touch and forget the life that God has called you to live and every new season that God presents to us is an opportunity to capture another dimension of that life he takes us from strength to strength and from glory to glory. It is, a, it is giving us an opportunity to experience another dimension of this life that he has given to us. But before, before we rush into the life that is unfolding, I feel it's important for us to acknowledge and thank God for the life that he has unfolded. Because the only way you could reach what is unfolding is you because you stand on the faithful, faithfulness of what God has unfolded. That, that if it were not for God, you would not be where you are right now. 
If it were not for his faithfulness, if it were not for his goodness, you would not be where you are right now. Sometimes we are so preoccupied with reaching forward, we forget to thank God for what, has, what he has already unfolded. That if you begin to really think about the faithfulness of God in your life, the times where you have fallen but he upheld you, the times when your check failed you and the economy failed you but God provided for you, the times that he protected you. There's things that should have happened. Accidents that should have taken place that didn't even take place because his hand covered your life. That, that, that despite the storms that you've gone through, somehow you're still standing. Somehow you're still here. Somehow you are walking, you walked through what other people sunk in. And if it were not for God's faithfulness in your life, we would not have anything to reach forward to. It is his faithfulness that which has preserved you. That despite the darkness that covered the earth, somehow the light of his goodness shined upon you despite of it all. Hallelujah. See, some of the, the reason many of us get fearful in fret is because we for, fearful in fret of the challenges before us is because we have forgotten the faithfulness of God behind us. That the same God who brought us through over there is the same God who's going to bring us through over here. In fact, that's why when the Bible says when Israel passed through the Jordan, the Bible says he told them as you before I shut up the waters I want you to take stones out of the Jordan, the Jordan and erect a memorial stone and he said that way whenever you see those stones and whenever your children ask what are these what do these stones mean you will tell your children this is the place where the Lord opened up the waters and it caused the nation to pass through on dry ground and the same God that was faithful over here the same God who was faithful to open the waters here is the same God who will be faithful to open the obstacles you're going to face over there Joseph the same God that brought you out of the pit is the same God that's going to bring you out of the prison that when he brought you out of the pit, it was there to testify to you that when you were in the prison, you don't need to fear the prison. The same God that did it there, it was he will do it over here too. The same God that brought you out of the pit, out of the prison, Joseph, is the same God who is faithful to bring you up to the palace. He is faithful. Though your obstacles change, your God never changes. His faithfulness never changes. Hallelujah. In fact, I want us to take, I want us to take this 60 seconds. I want you to gather memorial stones in your mind. I want you to think about God's faithfulness. I want you to think about how he's provided for you. How he kept your mind. How he kept your soul. How he kept your faith. How he kept your body. You got clothes on your back, roof over your head, breath in your lungs, health in your body. How he's kept you, how he sustains you, how, he, how he's gone before you, how he's surrounded you with his goodness, how he's surrounded you, when you with, your, with his mercy. That even despite your failings, despite your mistakes, somehow God upheld you in his great faithfulness. It wasn't that you were faithful, it was because God was faithful. Faithful in his love, faithful in his mercy, faithful in his grace. God, begin to gather those memorials. So begin to imagine all these things, all the God. Sometimes we're so worried about the prayers that God did not answer, but God, but we forget the prayers that God did answer. 
how he paid your rent, how he provided that job. The other, per other people lost their job, but somehow God provided for you a job. Other people, other, people, other people, when they lost their jobs, they didn't have anything to lean back on, but you lost your job, yet somehow God held you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got that, those stones? Now, I want you to thank God right now. Begin to thank God for the, all his faithfulness, for all his mercies, for all his grace, for all his loving kindness, for all his faithfulness, for all his favor. You need to thank him harder than that. He has been faithful. He has been faithful. You forget to thank God for the small things. You're here, alive, able to praise God, able to rejoice. You forget to rejoice over the small things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to tell you to do, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do it one more time because I don't think, I want to give you one more opportunity to really thank him for all his faithfulness this year. That means you should open up your mouth. That means you should begin to glorify your God. He is worthy. 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 It is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. It's important. You understand it's important. Sometimes we're just running through a laundry list of requests and prayers that we don't even come back to say thank you. We don't even do that with people, but we do it with God. Only one, the Bible says all the lepers were cleansed, but only one came back to say thank you. And he said, weren't all the ten cleansed? Didn't I provide all the, didn't I heal all ten? He said, except this one came back, and he said, because you came back, I've made you whole. In other words, I, I, I've healed things in you. I've, I, I didn't only heal your body, but I took care of, I restored you. I redeemed what was taken from you. Thankfulness is, a, it is an important thing, an important thing. Now, I want to talk about what is unfolding. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14. Book of Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. And you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God wanted to be with us. God wanted to be with us. Even while we were in the thick of the depravity of our sin, God wanted to be with us. The reason Christ was born, the reason why he came, is to be with us. Can you, he wanted to be with us. The whole gospel is not about man reaching out to God. The gospel is about God reaching out to man. You didn't die to be with him, he died to be with you. Think about that for a moment. In fact, even in the book of Genesis, when man sinned, it was not man who called out for God, but God who called out for man. 
the whole mystery, the whole marvel of the gospel is that he wanted to be with us. Before we even knew to seek him. It's okay. Before we even knew to seek him, he wanted to be with you. While you weren't seeking him, he was seeking you. He wanted to be with us. And the Bible says that we who are once far away have been brought near. <laughs> we didn't come near. He brought us near. Are you following what I'm saying? He brought us near. He brought us close to be with him. In fact, I, I was thinking about even the, the, the other day, I think David during the Christmas concert, he was talking about how Christ was born in a manger. And, and the marvel of it is when the wise men came, when the wise men came and they said, who we have come seeking he who was born king of the Jews. He, they went to the palace first because they estimated if a king is going to be born, surely he would be in the palace. But God in his love didn't put him in a palace where only a select few could reach him. But he put him in a barn accessible to all so he could be with us. I want you to know that no matter where you are, you are not far. Because he wanted to be with you. He left himself accessible to you. He came to be with us. You are not alone. He came to be with you. You are not far. He came to be with you. And it's funny, as, as I was preparing this, um, a, a thought ran through my mind. And it's one of those, I just, I didn't even expect an answer to it. I said, why did God want to be with us? I can understand why I want to be with him. I have plenty of reasons and needs and issues that will cause me the desire to be with him. But why would God want to be with me? What do I have to offer him? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And really, it's nothing. And we were talking in the room when we said, we said, you know, why did even God love us? He just did. It has no reason. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a good thing because if it had a reason, his love could be broken if you broke the reason. But because it has no reason, you can't break his love. He is love and he loves because that's who he is. It's a hard concept because we love people because of certain things. Let's be honest. No matter how much you love somebody, there, there all comes a breaking point where you, you cross this line. <laughs> but God has no lines because there is no reason. But I, I, I was asking myself, which is one of those questions that ran through the back of my head. I didn't expect an answer. I wasn't really asking seriously, but God answered anyway. And he said, fellowship. It's all fellowship. And can I be honest? I really put my head down and wept when he whispered it to me. Because somehow you lose sight of it. What this is all about. Excuse me. You lose sight of what this is all about. 
you th- about your purpose and vision and you, all of that's good but the main reason he created you is for fellowship are you hearing what I'm saying he created you for fellowship when God created man in the garden he created him for fellowship that's why God made us in his image and likeness so he would have something to relate to. You can't, we can't have fellowship with a giraffe. You know why? It's not like us. You can't relate to it. You can't communicate to it. So God's made us after his image and likeness so we could fellowship with one another to be with us. <laughs> to have someone to walk with talk with share with he created us to be with him there's even that's the reason there is a certain there's a certain cup in our soul that will not be satisfied until we come into fellowship with him there's something there is a cup people cannot satisfy there is a cup that money cannot satisfy there is a cup career can't satisfy there is a cup money cannot satisfy there is a cup that's why they've said you are my cup in my portion there is a cup in me only God can satisfy there's something in in you that will not be satisfied until he is satisfied with his only desire the only thing he asks from you, fellowship. It's interesting to me how when God, the, the Bible says that that calls David after a, a man after God's own heart. And I thought about that for a second, but it makes him sound better than his predecessor. But actually, David committed worse sins than Saul. All Saul did is he sacrificed out of out, out of context he, he sacrificed at the wrong time David David, 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 David David slept with another man's wife and then had the man killed we forget this was the one who said David is a man after my I said why Saul he, he just sacrificed and did, did it wrong he, the David made a mess out of things but when David sinned when when Saul sinned he said don't take the kingdom from me when David sinned he said don't take your presence from me and God said because he pursues me because he desires fellowship with me the only thing I asked for he filled in other words God said he, he filled my cup Think about this. The Bible says that, that when, 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 when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, one of the things he said, he said, he said the true worshipers of God will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For these are the worshipers the Lord seeks. He seeks? Think about that for a moment. He seeks. Have you ever thought about God? Because to seek demands a need. And I said, but how can God, the all-sufficient one, have a need? He has only but one need 
one desire I should say it fellowship and the Bible it's funny remember what Ruth said or Naomi said to Ruth when she went out to the threshing floor he said when you go there do not make yourself known do not make your needs known until he is satisfied and when he is satisfied you will be satisfied when he is satisfied when his cup gets full your cup will get full but until his cup is full your cup there is a cup that nothing else will satisfy no man will satisfy no no other thing will satisfy until his cup gets full but if his cup gets full your cup is full also and so the bible says that god in genesis walked amongst the garden the cool of the day looking for fellowship I was thinking about that but I found it amazing he did it he came in the cool of the day he could have done it in any type of the day but he did it in the cool of the day why it didn't matter to him but it mattered to man he said I want to come for undistracted. I don't want you distracted by the heat. I, 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 I'm going to come in the cool of the day so we can have undistracted fellowship. So you and I can walk together properly. I'm going to come at the time. Oh, he came for fellowship. But one day he came and man was not there. And he called, where are you, Adam? But this picture of God walking in the garden is what captivated my spirit. And as I saw that, I heard the spirit of the Lord say, tell my people, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. What does that mean? I'm not talking about the Lord's second coming. I'm talking about a season of visitation. A season of visitation. And I... I, I believe that God's saying, I'm coming. I'm, I'm walking through the garden of your life. I'm coming by. There's a, there is coming a season of visitation. He is coming. I've come to tell you he is coming. I heard in my spirit he is coming. I hear the sound of a visitation. I hear the sound of the Lord coming. In fact, it was this message that Bishop Banda spoke to us some weeks back, but also it was something that God spoke to us in our, early in our pastor's prayer. I just feel that th there seems to be a reverberating sound of God announcing that he is coming. And we are approaching a season of visitation that is why in the book of Isaiah 55 in the book of Isaiah 55 the Bible says 55 6 declares seek the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near call upon him while he is so there are seasons there are seasons by God's own divine will that he chooses to unveil to us 
a greater dimension of his presence where the gap between us and him closes and he draws himself near now I know what some of you are thinking well pastor I thought I thought God is always here yes he is but there is dimensions of relationship you can be sitting to the person next to you but doesn't really you may, and you may even know their name but doesn't mean that you truly know them because it because there are dimensions of how you can know somebody you can know somebody on the job but you may not know them at home you know me you know my name you know what I look like you know what I sound like but my wife knows me in another dimension there are different relational dimensions right, that, he, that you get to know somebody and it's up to the person to reveal himself to you and the more the deeper the relationship the deeper the unveiling and there come seasons where God chooses to bring you near to bring you closer to unveil himself to unveil himself on a deeper level and I really believe that we're entering a season of visitation where he is going to unveil himself on a deeper level open your Bible to the book of Ephesians let me show you something real quick Ephesians 3.17 Ephesians 3.17 I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God look what it's saying there is a depth to his love there is a height to his love there is a width of his love there are dimensions of his love to experience that, that, that you can know him on one level but then he will bring you in closer Moses, the Bible says, after all that he had seen, after all the miracles, parting the Red Sea, after the quail landed, all the miracles that Moses did, by then we'll be writing our book. How the Lord parted the sea. How the, we'll be, we, we'll be, but the Bible says, after he saw all of that, Moses said, now show me your glory. Because I know there's another dimension the disciples who walked, talked, slept lived with Jesus they were on a boat the Bible says they were on a boat and the Bible says that a storm arose and after the storm arose they awoke Jesus saying we're going to drown and he got up and he, and he spoke to the storm and said peace be still and the, and the waves subsided and the winds ceased and the disciples that, who thought they knew him said who is this that even the winds and the waves obey his command. We thought we knew, but now we see another dimension. He took the three, John, Peter, James, Peter, John, and he took them to the mountain. And they thought they knew him. But then he became transfigured before his, their sight. And he became like lightning. And then they heard, they thought they knew him. But then he showed them another dimension. There is a season of visitation coming to the church. There is a season of visitation coming to this nation. There is a season of visitation coming to this continent. There is a season 
of visitation coming to your life. There's a season of visitation coming to your house. The second thing I heard, God said, I am going to contend with everything that stands between me and my people. I am going to contend with everything that stands between me and my people. The Bible says that God told Moses to tell Pharaoh. He said, tell Pharaoh this. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my son go that they may worship me. Look, why he called them? He said, I want fellowship. I long for my children. Let them go so we can walk together again. Let them go because I'm coming down. And the Bible says that he came down upon Mount Sinai and the mountain quaked and the earth trembled and smoke filled the mountain because God came near. God, clothed, God said, I'm going to close the gap between heaven and earth. I am going to close the gap between where you are and where I am. I'm going to close the gap between your condition and my promise. I'm going to come near and close the gap. Let my people go. And God said to Moses, if Pharaoh refuses, if he gets in the way of my visitation, I will send plague after plague after plague until he loosens my people and the chains get loosed so they can seek me freely and wholeheartedly. And I'm here to let you know that God is about to contend with that which can, that stands between him and you. Hallelujah. He's going to come and contend. That's why the Bible says that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. If you begin to poise your heart to seek him, God says when he, someone gets ready to seek me, I will move every obstacle out of the way so in order for them to reach me. There's nothing that I will leave unturned. Are you following what I'm saying? When they poise themselves to seek me. Hallelujah. 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 That's why when the Bible says that when Paul and Silas were in the prison and they began to worship and seek God. The Bible says as they worshiped, the jail began to tremble. There was an earthquake and all the prison doors came open and the shackles came loose. It wasn't necessarily them coming out. It was God coming in. God said, I, I've come to fellowship. And wherever, see, see we, you don't have to wait for Sunday morning to seek him. When we're talking about seeking him, when we're talking about a visitation, I'm not talking about Sunday morning visitation where you go back, where you come to service and you hear the band play and you hear the worship team sing your favorite song, it hits your favorite notes, and then all of a sudden you feel like you got visited and you go back to life as normal. No, 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 no. Seek him at home. Seek him in the car. Seek him at your job. Seek him with your children. Seek him in the cafeteria. Seek him in trouble. Seek him in pain. And wherever you seek him, God said, I'll visit you there. I'll visit you there.
If you're in the prison, I'll visit you in the prison. If you're in the pain, I'll visit you in your pain. If you're in the pit, I'll visit you in the pit. If you're in the wilderness, I'll visit you in the wilderness. If you're in Egypt, I will visit you in Egypt. If you are in sin, I will visit you in sin. I will visit you wherever you seek me. You shall find me because I will come and visit. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of the visitation. I hear the sound of the visitation. I hear the sound of the Lord coming and he says, seek me, seek me while I may be found. Seek me, seek me. I'm coming by, but you have to seek me. <laughs> I'm, I'm passing through, but you have to seek me. I'm coming close, but you have to seek me. The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood, she heard Jesus was passing by. And when she heard that he was passing by, she sought him. Sought him in her pain. Sought him in her condition. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment and the Bible says that she touched him and power left him and it healed the woman and Jesus stopped and said somebody touched me and he, the disciples said how can you say someone touched me when you see these people pressing up against you he said no 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 you don't understand some people came to spectate. Some people came to watch. But someone came to seek me. And someone touched me because they sought me. They sought me with their body. They sought me with their pain. And they found me because power has left me. When you truly seek him, is it impossible for you to remain the same? When you truly have experienced a visitation from God. Can I, can I tell you there's some things that won't change into your, in your life until you seek him. Some of us have a relationship with church but we don't have a relationship with God. I want to say that one more time. Many of us have a relationship with church. We have a relationship with religion. We have a relationship with Bible studies. We have relationships with prophets. Yes, I said it. You have a relationship, but you do not have a relationship with God. And there are some things that won't be satisfied in your life until you come into a relational contact with him. Until you truly seek him with your soul and heart. Until you make him the center of your pursuit. Not a side venture. Not a side pursuit. Until you make him the center of your pursuit. The center of your world. That's why in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the place of meeting, the place where you sought him, was not off in the corner. It was at the center of the camp. Because it was supposed to be the center of your life. And all activities, all life, all other pursuits were to revolve around one pursuit it is 
the season of visitation. He is coming. He is coming. The Bible says when he appeared at the tent of meeting, the nation would gather because the Lord was visiting. Stop all their activities. The Lord is visiting. He is coming. He is coming. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Hallelujah. Can, can we just, just take a moment and go to the lab? This is the lab. This is not, you, you, you have to, this is practice time, opportunity. God was taking three minutes and I just want us to, to seek him. Seek him. Wherever you are, seek him. Some of you may be in despair, but seek him in despair. Some of you may be in pain, seek him in pain. Some of you may feel like you're in a wilderness. Go ahead, seek him anyway. Because he is near. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man heareth and open the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Seek him. All over the room, seek him. Here, here. 